In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Wonderful thing to consider, Lord Jesus, in your presence in this time of prayer, is that the first words to your apostles after the resurrection and after their having failed you, your first words to them in their failure, in their defeat, are words of peace. Peace be with you. And then, Jesus, you go further. You don't just wish them peace. You don't just express your goodwill for them. You give them a means of peace, a means always to return to peace. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Sacrament of Confession this wonderful instrument of God's mercy bequeathed to his church. Receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven them and whose sins you retain are retained. And on this Divine Mercy Sunday, it's so good for us to pray about and be grateful for God's forgiveness, God's mercy to have access to the mercy of God, to experience God's mercy in his forgiveness, especially in confession, is to have a unique experience of the power of God, of God's omnipotence, and therefore to experience God in himself, right, in his divinity. It's one of God's great attributes is to be all-powerful, that God can do all things. And the forgiveness of sins is a special sign of his omnipotence. St. Thomas Aquinas says this. He says that God's omnipotence is shown above all in his mercy. That if we want to prove that God is all-powerful, we point to the forgiveness of sins above anything else, according to Aquinas. And that's kind of wild, right? Aquinas actually says that the act of creation proves that God is infinitely powerful because to bring something out of nothing, to go from zero, nothing, and to make something with no, with no pre-existent material, he says, takes an infinite power. And so the act of creation, for according to Aquinas' thinking, proves to us that God is infinitely powerful, right? omnipotent. 
And yet, Aquinas also holds that in God's mercy and his forgiveness of sins, God's omnipotence is revealed even more than in creation. The clearest sign of his being all-powerful is shown in his mercy. And why is that? Well, I think it's something like, well, in creation, God goes from zero to something. In mercy, he goes from like a negative, right? Negative zero, which is evil, which is the refusal to exist, taking away of existence, to something positive. Forgiveness, union with God, return to peace. And so it's even a more dramatic shift or change, we could say, from from nothing to something, is from sin to grace, sin to reconciliation with God. And only an all-powerful God can do that, can pull that off. So Lord, when I experience your forgiveness in big sins, especially, but also in little ways that I offend you, help it to be for me a real encounter with your love and with your power. St. Faustina, whose book on the divine mercy in her soul, her journal of divine mercy in her soul, really inspires today's feast day, instituted by John Paul II, writes about divine mercy very beautifully, and also with this connection to, to God's power, that his mercy can forgive any sin and at any time, especially in those last moments of life when the soul is departing the world to meet God. This is a passage from her journal. All grace flows from mercy, and the last hour abounds with mercy for us. Let no one doubt concerning the goodness of God. Even if a person's sins were as dark as night, God's mercy is stronger than our misery. One thing alone is necessary, that the sinner set ajar the door of his heart, be it ever so little, to let in a ray of God's merciful grace, and then God will do the rest. So all God needs is the sinner to leave the soul just a little bit open, the door of his soul just a tiny crack open to God's mercy. Sorry in some way for his sins, its sinfulness, and God will do the rest. One thing alone is necessary that the sinner set ajar the door of his heart, be it ever so little, to let an array of God's merciful grace, and then God will do the rest. Jesus, help me to believe in your mercy and help me to pray, to pray for sinners to pray also continually, Lord, that you forgive my sins and the sins of the whole world as the church prays in that chaplet of divine mercy for the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. The Lord said to me, this is another great passage from Faustina's diary. The Lord said to me, the loss of each soul plunges me into mortal sadness. You always console me when you pray for sinners. The prayer most pleasing to me is prayer for the conversion of sinners. Know, my daughter, that this prayer is always heard and answered. 
What a great motivation for us to pray for our family, our friends who have drifted from the church or from the sacraments, who are far from God, at least seemingly far from God, to pray for the conversion of their souls, to pray that God have mercy on them and that they open up their heart just a little bit even to God's mercy, to his to His forgiveness. St. Therese of Lisieux, another wonderful witness of the mercy of God. And she was so innocent, but she wrote very beautifully on God's forgiveness and God's mercy. Yes, this is towards the end of her life. Yes, I feel that even though I had on my conscience all the sins that can be committed, I would go heartbroken with repentance to throw myself into Jesus' arms because I know how dearly he loves the prodigal son who returns to him, even though I had on my conscience all the sins that could be committed, terrible things. I would go heartbroken with repentance to throw myself into Jesus' arms because I know how dearly he loves the prodigal son who returns to him. St. Josemaria used to say that the act of contrition was his favorite devotion, the best devotion. And he would say that he plays the role of the prodigal son many times a day. Whenever he noticed some slight fault or some some lack of love, he would play the role of the prodigal son to run back to God the Father, repentant. In a letter to her sister, Mother Agnes, St. Therese wrote something similar. People might think that it is because I have not sinned that I have such great trust in God. Tell them clearly, Mother, that if I had committed all possible crimes, I would still have the same trust. I feel that all that multitude of offenses would be like a drop of water falling into a blazing furnace. The power of God's mercy. All the multitude of offenses, the worst crimes we can think of the worst things that people do if if we did them as long as we go to god for his mercy for his forgiveness especially in confession all that multitude of offenses would be like a drop of water falling into a blazing furnace jesus help us to be open once again to your mercy and help us to perhaps resolve to take sin more seriously to turn away from any deliberate venial sin to break once and for all any habit of mortal sin and also to be more resolved to overcome our venial sins so that your mercy can flow through us and flow into the world for others so that me being really truly on your side right with a hatred of sin an enemy of satan an ally of god that your mercy can flow through us and our prayers can be heard by you more readily for the conversion of sinners. For the sake of a sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. One of the eight Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. All the Beatitudes ask us to give something up in order to get something back. We give up some worldly or natural attitude and we receive in return some supernatural blessing. 
And that wonderful mercy, that wonderful sign of God's love for us and the sign of his omnipotence especially is something that we have to work to get. And one of the ways of getting it is being merciful ourselves. And what do we have to give up to receive God's mercy? Well, we have to give up vengeance. We have to give up that desire to avenge ourselves when some evil is done to us. We have to give up the idea of returning tit for tat, an eye for an eye in the language of the Bible. The word forgiveness comes from the verb to forego. The forgiving, merciful person foregoes revenge and foregoes the desire for revenge. We forego, we give up the harm that we want to inflict on others. The satisfaction that would come from that, right? Getting even when they harm us or when they harm our loved ones. To be merciful is to return harm, not with more harm, but with goodness, with goodwill. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The reward is great and the stakes are high. Where would we be? without God's mercy. Lord, where would I be without your forgiveness? What future would I have? Our eternal happiness will be a result of obtaining God's mercy. Our redemption by Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, our future place in heaven, is all the working of God's merciful love. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. For the stakes are very high in are imitating and participating in God's divine mercy. And Jesus, you teach us very clearly that the reverse of this beatitude is also true. If we do not show mercy, then neither shall we obtain it. I don't know about you, but for me, this has always been one of the scariest parts of our Lord's preaching. He says it right after teaching the Our Father. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. And then right after that, Jesus says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I read that and I tend to go, gulp. That's scary. And that's a good question for us on Divine Mercy Sunday as we pray and reflect on God's mercy towards us. Is there anyone that I need to forgive? Is there any grudge or resentment that I'm holding on to? Is there some desire for revenge that I need to forgo? Lord, give me the grace to be merciful because I want to receive your mercy. I want to model your love for the world because I am your son and I am a disciple of Christ. And you tell me, Lord, that I have to love others as you have loved me. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And if he hasn't loved us with mercy, then we could say he hasn't loved us at all, right? If, his, <laughs> if that as I have loved you doesn't include forgiveness and mercy, then we don't, we don't understand it at all. It's, it's all mercy. It's all love. It's all forgiveness. And this is hard. At times, it might seem impossible. 
If some terrible injustice has been done to us, we might ask ourselves, well, how can I just forgive and forget, as the saying goes? If someone has seriously hurt me, or perhaps even worse, someone I love, how can I just let bygones be bygones or act as if nothing happened? How can I just let it go when everything in me is angry? My soul cries out for vengeance, cries out for revenge. And it's helpful to make some distinctions, important distinctions at this point. At the heart of forgiveness is continued goodwill. Goodwill is wanting what is truly good for the person in spite of the harm that they've done to us. We don't have to feel good about the people we're forgiving. We don't have to forget what they've done as if we could. I don't think the Bible says forgive and forget, at least not to us. We don't even need to be personally reconciled with them. At times, this would do more harm than good for both parties. The person is still abusive or dangerous. It's not a matter of necessarily personally reconciling and resuming interactions with the person in question. It's not good feelings or forgetfulness or pretending nothing happened. The goodwill at the heart of forgiveness can include also pursuing justice, the desire that others be corrected for serious injuries, for serious crimes, so that they can be rehabilitated and learn not to hurt others, and they pay a certain just price for the damage that they've done. That justice can help them. It could be very good for them. So what does forgiveness exclude necessarily? Well, it excludes a bitter hatred towards others. It excludes a hatred that we don't just feel, but that we give into. We don't resist. And that perhaps even in our lack of forgiveness and our sinfulness, we foster. It excludes hatred deliberately consented to. And it requires goodwill. Even though the person has hurt us or hurt others close to us, we still want what's good for them. And so the quickest and easiest way to practice forgiveness, to forgive someone, is simply to pray for them. No matter what our feelings about them are at the time, if we pray for someone's salvation, if we pray for their moral and spiritual well-being, our heart and our will are already in the place of mercy and forgiveness. We're already forgiving them. Prayer is that powerful and important. Why? Well, because when we pray for others, we want what God wants for them. And God wants what's good for them, no matter what their sins are. We just consider that. If we had committed the worst crimes, which which would entail victims, (laughs) which would hurt other people, well, God would still forgive us. He loves us that much. His mercy would burn away those sins like a drop of water falling into the furnace. And so to pray for them, is to connect ourselves with God's will for them, with God's mercy. To say, Lord, you want their salvation, and therefore I ask for it too. I want it too. I want them to recover. I want them to be healed. I want them to be sorry for their sins. And you want that too, Lord. And so the divine mercy is something that we receive, and in practicing it, it's something that makes us like God. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful 
our Lord says. Incredible words of Jesus. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Speaking to us in the Sermon on the Mount. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The upside of mercy can't be any clearer. It makes us like God. It makes us His beloved children. I forgive you. You took something really precious from me. I will never talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. These are the words of a woman named Nadine Collier. She spoke them directly to Dylan Roof in 2015. It happened in court just a short time after Roof had walked into her Christian church and opened fire. Among others, he killed Nadine's mother, Ethel Lance. Other members of her church said similar words of forgiveness directly to Dylan Roof. So many times in the news, we hear only the bad things. What a wonderful act of mercy by these Christians. She wasn't the only one who forgave Ruth to his face a short time after he had done this. He had killed their loved ones. In a way, this merciful attitude, we can think of it as a powerful means of self-defense. God's omnipotence is shown not just in what he can do, but in what can't be done to him. By being merciful, God does not let evil done unto him make him evil himself. He refuses to return evil with evil. He returns evil with his goodness. His omnipotence is shown in his being unchangeable in his goodness, firm in his goodness. To give into revenge or to give into hatred is to let the harm that others do to us hurt us more than it has to. When others hurt us by damaging our life or our health or reputation or someone we love, they simply can't make us bad as people. They can't make us truly bad or evil unless we let them, unless we sin. No one can fatally damage our souls unless we refuse to forgive them, unless we let them stop our goodwill, stop our connection with God's will for them and for other, and for the whole world. Mercy puts a limit on the damage that others can do to us. Resentment, I read once, is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. Right? Giving it to resentment, giving it to a lack of forgiveness, giving to a hatred for the person is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. It hurts us. It doesn't hurt them. Lord, help us with this. This is not easy, especially when others hurt us in a serious way. 
And when we find it difficult, it's important to remember that charity comes from God. We should ask God for his love. We should ask God for his forgiveness. And God knows it's not easy. And he encourages us to be merciful, sometimes in fascinating ways. There's a beautiful passage from St. Paul, summarizing the teaching of our Lord, echoing the Sermon on the Mount. This is from St. Paul to the Romans. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. That's from the book of Proverbs. Paul is quoting there without citing it. And it's a fascinating thing, isn't it, that God knows that that thirst for revenge is so deep in us that he says, okay, if you want revenge, um, get it by being good to the person who doesn't like you. Right? It's going to make them angry that they haven't corrupted you. And maybe this is part of the way that the devil um, is sad and is frustrated and is hurt that he's trying so hard to hate God. He's trying so hard, and he does, right, to reject God. And it doesn't work, right? God just keeps being good. God just keeps loving and even loving him. Right? The devil's pain and separation from God are his own fault. And he can't wound God. He can't make God into an object that's really deserving of hatred, deserving of rejection, because God is intrinsically good. And so in a certain way, our own goodness, insofar as the people refuse to accept it, or God's own goodness, insofar as people refuse to um, accept it and realize that they're the problem and God, God is not the problem, it hurts them, right? It, it ends up as being a way that um, they're punished. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. And so even that desire for vengeance, it can be purified, right? Get them back by forgiving them. Get them back by loving them. Get them back by showing them that you're still good. And hopefully that they'll recognize that and they'll stop torturing themselves and they'll reform. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Love one another as I have loved you. Calls from our Lord. 
conditions from our Lord. Unless you forgive your brother from his heart, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your sins. So much is at stake in our own efforts to live mercy. So much is at stake in our own efforts to open our souls, leave that door ajar, fling it wide open in confession to receive God's mercy. Without mercy, Lord, we're lost. And without imitating your mercy, Lord, we're not really open to receiving it. We go to Our Lady, the Mother Most Merciful, the Mother of Mercy. Intercede for us. Help us to live this beatitude as you did. Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. At the foot of the cross, Our Lady made all of Jesus' actions her own. She seconded all of his thoughts and desires. She heard him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Our Lord on the cross, exercising mercy. And Our Lady echoed all of that in her own pierced heart, in her immaculate heart, which perfectly reflects the sacred and most merciful heart of Jesus, her Son. Our Lady, our Mother, Mother most merciful, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation, I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.